Okay. Welcome back to the Gymnasium Podcast, where I am your host, Michael Hughes. We're diving into coachmanship, uh, which is pretty much a made-up word, which we like to do often, and uh, what it really means to be a good coach in terms of our communication, in terms of our intent of our practice, and in terms of all the different methodologies out there. So we're going to dive into kind of our intent as a coach and what it means to have a great coachmanship. Uh, this one is a little bit more off the cuff, just to be quite frank with you. We've um, got some fresh brewskis here. It is a beautiful Friday in Central Coast, California, and we're about to dive in deep. So hold on to your hats. Make sure you're in a good drive and point, and uh, let's go for it. Welcome to the Gymnasio Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnasio has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches. This podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business to how to program for maximum results to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. All right. So talking about coachmanship, we look at it as like, how was the quality of your skill set in terms of applying it to people? And that's what we do, right? We take knowledge, uh, we get taught it, um, we can talk about, you know, what kind of coach are you? Are you a trainer? Are you, are you, you know, are you a coach? Are you a trainee? Are you a mentor? Anyways, how do you kind of look at that and how do you take your knowledge set and give it to people? And see, John, you, you, I've been talking about this for a long time is that we have a common way of talking to each other. And that's kind of been the formality of um, really our relationship as professional movement practitioners. So when you first started as a movement practitioner, a trainer, a coach, whether you got your ISSA, your NASM, your ACE, whatever the case is, where are you now in terms of where you thought you would be then in terms of this term called coachmanship? Um, I'm happy you made up a bunch of words and just said a bunch of mumble jumble words because that's kind of what this is really all about is um, putting all the words into the same pot and saying, how do we find a common ground? How do we understand each other um, and understand ourselves? And how do we relay our understanding of what we're seeing in terms of people's movement, in terms of their actions, in terms of their goals, and help them discover um, how to communicate with their body and communicate with other practitioners and therapists? So, I mean, starting out... I had no idea this is where I would be in the sense that um, I have a much wider vocabulary uh, when it comes to movement and training and intent than I ever thought I would have. Uh, it wasn't something, words are tough for me, um, big words are even tougher, you know, but I think that there's a lot of ways to get messages across and what I've found the past decade of, of individual coaching, um, group coaching, um, working with Gymnazo specifically, it's it's enhanced my understanding of how to communicate more effectively with not only my athletes and my clients, but other coaches. Um, and really going from a comp- competitive environment of just myself versus other coaches, and I have my language and they have theirs, and they have their practices, I have my practices, I have my methodologies, they have theirs, to how can we all essentially 
be one larger mind and every day, every week, every month, um, continue to enhance our vocabulary. I see, so I think where I am now is um, trying to find ways to help others collaborate with what they know, um, what others know, and find a common ground so that we can continue to enhance this field of fitness and health um, and, and talk about it from a wider from a wider lens or from a wider perspective, rather. Mm. Um, you know, like where a steel mace flow coach can coach steel mace flow and talk that, but when it comes to the kettlebell, does that terminology that they use in the mace carry over to the kettlebell? Mm. And the answer is yes, but somebody who started with the kettlebell then wants to go to the mace may have a different way of talking about the mace. Um, also, we think about joint mobility and active ranges of motion and um, all these mobility courses out there that show you how to um, essentially, you know, cars, like get your your ankles to move in all 360 degrees in all directions and your knees and your hips and all these pieces and kind of individualize it. Um, where another mobility practice may be talking about it in an entirely different uh, word set. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a different matrix of words and terminology that they're going to use in reference to what they've learned. Yeah. And so it was really tough starting out um, coaching because I felt like I had to like almost pick a pick a, sp a space um, in this fitness and health field. And I had to learn the language and okay, that was it. But then I would learn another technique or another methodology and they would say something similar, but with different words and maybe a different intention behind it. So then it almost becomes this game of like, well, who is right? Who is, who's not right? Mm -hmm. But I think we can step one layer beyond that and say they're both right. And they both came to the conclusion to create their course or to create their certification or create their method um, from a very honest and um, humbling place, I think, which is just that it's, it's a more of a discovery. And then you discover those words along the way. You feel the, the movements, you sense them, you do some research, you start to apply them to other people and try to communicate what you did with this equipment to, and get somebody else to do it for a specific reason. So there's a lot of confusion, I think, right now in this industry when it comes to how do we speak about certain things and not be afraid to be wrong because we're all right. We just have a different background of learning these words, right? Somebody who speaks Spanish and then learns, learns English is going to speak differently than somebody who learns English and that's their first language. Mm -hmm. And then they go learn Spanish. They're going to sound completely different, but they may be using the same words or different sentence structure. Yeah. So I think where I was starting out, I had no idea that this is what I'd be reflecting on. I was just learning it and absorbing the words, absorbing the language, yeah. and then I'd use that language. But I often found myself getting into ruts or getting stuck somewhere when I couldn't get through to somebody what I was trying to tell them. And so I would search out another way to say it, maybe through analogy, through metaphor, or really just through more research and more science of understanding and, and having a, uh, just a wider range of words to access um, that somebody else may be able to use. With so many changes, with so many things that you, ju you just described, there is not just this fact that we don't have a language. It's deeper than that. When we don't have a language, we don't have the confidence. And that is the biggest thing after coaching um, other coaches in this industry. It comes down to, I want more confidence. Because you want to direct somebody. Like we're, we're, we're here to help and guide. That's what we do as coaches. I don't care if it's on the basketball court. I don't care if it's a, it's a counselor in a high school. They're all, we're all coaches. Here to, here to provide not just advice, but it's kind of direction. Because we may not have been there. I've never played professional football. I've never driven an IndyCar before. But I know how to train both of them. 
Why? Because I understand the language of the human body. That's the first part. But I have the confidence to be able to say, like, I know where to go find that information and relate it to you as an athlete, you as a person. And then I, most importantly, I think I have the confidence within myself to distill those different thought processes, even if it's from someone who's done yoga and they've are literally like the F1s or IndyCars, like go-to yoga person or a chiropractor who works on Broadway shows. I can take that language that they use, understand it, compress it into my mind, and then regurgitate it out to that athlete via metaphors, whatever the case, case is. And it's that confidence that I've been seeing that we can basically are multilingual. Great coachmanship is being multilingual through different methodologies. Um, which brings me to a, a question, because I, I don't think we've ever really talked about this like in this form. How many different methodologies have you learned from? And I think most importantly, maybe the better story is how many people, who are those people? Um, and what's the third question? And uh, tell me something personal about that person, or that, what, do you have a relationship with that person? Because I think we have a few of them that would be kind of fun to chat about. Yeah, um, I was actually reflecting on this quite a bit this week um, and had the opportunity to chat with some others that are actually going to be on this podcast too. So um, super fun opportunity to, to kind of dive into that a little bit. Um, there's a lot of methodologies and a lot of just techniques that I follow or will will watch and then try to integrate into my practice. Um, but there's a handful of individuals that I've met um, either in person or we've had a live chat via the phone or, or FaceTime or Zoom or something. And um, I consider these individuals my coaches. Um, Hold on. Pause. Listeners, every coach should have a coach. I want to say that again. <laughs> every coach should have a coach. If you don't have a coach, you need to go hire a coach. It's, yeah, seriously. I, it was one of those things that was almost like a hit of my ego. Like, I should know these things. No, no, but, no, no. Yeah, but then I, right. I started to dive into some of these methodologies and meet the individuals behind them and the heart, the passion, the excitement, and the uh, vulnerability even um, to, to just have an open conversation about what they've discovered. And, um, you know, I've had conversations with some people that it's like they kind of push something on me. Um, and I don't really consider them my coaches. I just consider them somebody I might uh, learn from. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I think my coaches, I mean, first and foremost, I got to give credit to every single coach that's come through Gymnazo's doors mm. um, because that's where I've learned the fastest, the most, and felt the deepest kind of within myself is. Um, exploring different methodologies and practices that we've learned from the outside and brought those techniques or those strategies and even more so the principles into our training, yeah. talked about them and then watched every coach apply them differently and find success. And that was like, that was such an inspiring moment and set of moments for me is like being able to bring something from another coach that I've learned from, bring it to our space, to a group of coaches collaborating and working together with hundreds of members um, on a weekly basis, and then continuing to evolve our practice to better serve our clientele. Mm. So every single coach that's come through, um, and especially the current team that we've got right now, it's just it's amazing the things we're able to apply um, and understand the more we just put it into research and development. We, I mean, really treat this facility and, and our people like each their individual protocol, their each individual um, case study. Yeah. And so um, that being said, as I go into each of these coaches and, and – this certainly is not all of them, but I think it's it's um, they're the handful that mean the most right to me right now and in my practice and in my consistent uh, development of my own emotions. Yeah, and then real quick before we get on, on the list, mm -hmm. like another definition of coachmanship 
is who, like you know, my dad always told me, you tell me your five best friends, and I'm going to tell you what kind of man you're going to be. <laughs> I'm like, all right, dad. <laughs> I was like, cool. It makes sense, though, right? You tell me the people that you mm-hmm. surround yourself with, especially as a coach, you're a bit, you're a bit on your own island. You know, uh, this is, I'll, I'll save that, that, that topic, but, you know, um, coachmanship is the ability to bring people around you that maybe don't speak the same language. In fact, maybe speak the opposing language, but they can still be your ally. Yeah, no, that's awesome. There's so many things we can break down in this podcast. That's great. Um, Most recently, uh, I just completed the Steel Maze Flow um, Mm -hmm. Level 1 with Leo Savage. And I'm going to be honest, when I first started to pick up the mace, I bought a mace. I saw some of the mace stuff, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I picked it up, and I was like, this sucks. Like, I felt really vulnerable with the mace. Um, but I went through the course. I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get through this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel it and try to understand it more. Because I see a lot of people throwing the mace around, but I'm looking at it from more of a biomechanical chain reaction mm-hmm. and how it applies to gravity and ground reaction force, mass momentum. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, like tool to, to understand. But um, Leo brought me, he pulled me into like the epitome of the expression of steel mace flow, not just the movements and the, the art techniques. Yeah. The art of it really. Yeah. And, and the heart behind it, yeah. the heart of the art basically. Um, and man, it, it blew my understanding of my practice like just into bits. I was like, okay, what have I been doing? You know, I've been practicing movements in these things, but he helped me understand that there's a story with every movement that we do. And mm. sometimes that story is just to get a sweat just to work out, just to be aggressive. Sometimes it's to slow down, be meditative. And other times it's, it's a whole string together of different emotions and parts of our day and parts of our life that mean something a lot, uh, mean a lot to us that we put into expression through movement. Mm-hmm. And we use that tool or that um, movement to show what's going on internally. And I'm still piecing this together, but essentially he's, it boils down to a, a master class flow that you learn at the throughout the course that's like basically eight pieces put together that tells a story essentially of I'm, and I'm going to butcher this but it's basically is march or a step forward in life and then you step backward sometimes you get knocked back and then there's a squat and you have sometimes it gets you low and then uh, essentially it goes into you have to be a warrior and sometimes when you get knocked back you got to fight forward and then you've got to reestablish your center and then once you've got your center again you start to branch out in different directions in these steps and then you go into this diamond flow that's very structured and beautiful and then it goes into a um gosh a, a night shield and you yeah, hold your you mace go, up yeah. like a shield and then you put it into a, this power archer that goes into the, these other motions essentially yeah. and when you finish that knowing that story it feels so much different than just completing the reps but you have to put the reps in to be able to tell the story otherwise you're so focused on telling a story and your body's not able to communicate and coordinate so I give a lot of props to, to Leo to, to bring the depth into that practice and really the, the heart of the art, like we said, um, pull you into what you're doing every step of the way because it always means something. Mm. And you don't need to get so caught up in that. I mean, that's a, it's a good part of the practice, I think, to visit, but it's also overwhelming for a lot of individuals. So Leo, as a coach for me, was, uh, was powerful and is powerful currently because now I'm able to carry that into other athletes and share that story. And when I see them, excelling in their motion, now I can start to bring in more depth to their practice. And wow, this means so much. Now it becomes less work to do it. Now it's like a part of your life. So thanks, Leo. Yeah. (laughs) 
And then but, I got to share it with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I've, I was uh, one step behind you in your description because I felt that eight-step flow. I've done it. Uh, certainly not at the quality that uh, Leo would say. Good, good job. Well, he would say good effort. I'm sure he would, but um, <laughs> not from a from a master level. But it's really cool that like you look at amazing athletes, high-level professional athletes. Their job is essentially almost effortless. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm really actually studying. Uh, drivers at this particular point. I'm just something I'm just really interested in to watch a driver take a Formula One car. Uh, uh, Schumacher is the new thing on Netflix, but I've, I've been watching it. The dude takes corners at 150 miles an hour. Like the 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 reaction time, the just the flow. And I know it's just turning a wheel, but it's way more than that. And like these dudes are fit. They're mentally fit. The stress for two hours nonstop doing that kind of stuff. But then looking at that that, that running back. Just flo- like literally juking people out of, out of their shoes, and it looked effortless. It's the kind of the heart of the art. Like they know motion so well, <laughs> they could just. It's like pulling. It's like pulling a wallet out of their pockets. Like no, I got that. So uh, really cool when I when I can see like a flow that is more than just the mechanics. It's more than that. It is the mechanics, of course, but um, it's the art. It's the art art form. Yeah, so, that was great. Speaking of art, I, another coach of mine, um, Jared Cardona um, from Orlando, or from, from I think he's from Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. He's got a training spot out there, um, owns a gym. Crazy trainer. He, crazy trainer. Gosh, he, he uh, came out here to the West Coast, and it was first time meeting him in person, and you could like feel the energy. I was like, this guy, this guy carries a presence. Um, that is very, I get chills even talking about him. Like just, he's such a good dude and has a whole backstory and, and I hope you guys go check him out. But, um, I consider him one of my great coaches because he showed me kind of what's possible with a kettlebell and there's a ton of kettlebell people out there. I don't want to put, um, Jared in a spot that he's the kettlebell guy, but he's kind of the kettlebell guy. He's, he's the guy who flips the kettlebell around. He's, he's the crazy trainer, you know? <laughs> um, and just watching him throw this 40 pound kettlebell around, I'm like, dude, I can swing, I can swing a kettlebell pretty good, but this thing's flipping around in the air three or four times and he grabs it and then does it again and again and again in like two minutes. We were like, that thing never hit the floor. He caught a perfect catch every single time while turning his body, taking steps, closing his eyes, winking and smiling at the camera, and then coming back. I'm like, what is going on? And then not just being able to do that, but then being able to share with others how to get there. Um, Obviously, it's thousands and thousands of reps and intentional reps, but um, he he just created this step-by-step kind of beta testing of flow. It's called the Crazy 8, and it's eight pieces as well, but with a kettlebell. And it's more of a story of um, moving through after he came here and we kind of taught him the movement matrix. He applied that in a way that made sense to him based on what he knows about steel mace and then created the crazy eight flow Hmm, that involved lunges and swings and presses and um, got cool names too, like the helix and the ACDC, accelerate, decelerate (laughs) and the, 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 um, reverse. Like just, it's like just these things that make sense when you're doing this. So this motion feels very beautiful. Um, but starting out, it's very rough. And so, he kind of helps to piece those parts of the flow together so that when you practice, it's now eight exercises, right? You practice one exercise, that's going to be a full body one. You practice exercise two, that's a full body one. You practice exercise three, you get good at each of these and you kind of know the names of them and how to flow through them. So now he's using a language so that you can communicate to your body and basically download, here's the name of this motion, here's the parts of that motion, 
Now go practice it. This one's called the helix. Just mm. keep doing the helix, and it's basically a rotation press drop, rotation press drop. And so you get multiple reps and, re- and uh, an understanding of where you're going with it, but then attaches it to another directional swing. So it starts to move in the matrix and in the grid, um, and matricizes a kettlebell swing. And it's something that we do in group training, but we don't necessarily put it into a flow. So we kind of, that we, we coached him, he coached us in a sense. Yeah, like we collaborated together and, yep. man, you created a really cool flow. I could have created that. But that's, again, that's the coach's mindset. You kind of create with what you know and what you're learning and you continue to put R&D out into the universe. He posts that. Now somebody else thinks of something entirely different. It creates a whole other pathway. And I Gosh. think that's what we do as coaches is, um, you know, Coach Mitch says you, a bridge has two sides. It's built from two sides. <laughs> you know, yeah. you got to have one side of the bridge and the other side of the bridge. But necessarily, one side is better than the other. You just got to know how to cross. You got to get there. And so sometimes coaches sitting here and the athletes sitting here, and there's just no bridge built because you've been doing this for years, but you don't know how to communicate it. And the bridge is the language. The bridge is the sentence structure. The yeah. bridge is the pieces to get to that stage. Um, and everybody can walk across a bridge differently. Some are going to run across it. Some are going to walk across it. Some will crawl across it. Some are afraid of heights, but they'll still get across that bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just giving props to Jared on that, that it really upped my kettlebell game and brought me a lot more joy in my practice because I let go of the kettlebell. Like getting that first kettlebell flip, I was like, oh, there's such a rush. And then he's like, oh, yeah, you can do a double too. I was like, a double? I barely get the single. And he's like, oh, you just got to use your thumb. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's like these little cues, these little pieces that – by coaching others and sharing with others, we learn together. And now the cues that he gave me, I'm giving them in not even kettlebell stuff. I'm giving them in Viper stuff and Mace or in, uh, and Mace stuff. I'm like, I was taught these things. I didn't just absorb it. It's a coach sharing with me what they know and what they've learned and boiling it down to a couple words. And then I can use those words to share an intent of what my body's supposed to experience. So yeah, you're building it's that. really cool. And, and just that whole concept of just, of just bridge, like, you know, Mitch said a great job. He's like, it's really true. We have knowledge that we've acquired, but it's, it's nothing in, 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 inside of our head. It's good for our personal practice, but if we're here to train and to guide people as trainers of, of, of movement, we have to share it. So how do we make that bridge happen? How do we, how do, we do that? Analogies, metaphors, um, different life scenarios, stories, um, little hands-on application. <clears throat> no, move your hips this way or do it that way or um, little tips of thumbs and flips and wrists like RMT ropes. Like, don't throw with your arms. Uh, that's the only way I know how to throw a rope. It's like, no, throw with your feet. It's like, what? I can throw <laughs> with my feet? Don't move your arms. <laughs> move without moving. <laughs> um, and so all these things are very abstract, but it's really the quintessential definition of movement. Movement is abstract. And uh, for those kettlebell throwers out there who are very dominant hip hingers, and that's how you throw a kettlebell, yes, that's how you can throw a kettlebell. But there are thousands of unlimited ways you can also throw a kettlebell that shouldn't be said no to. And that's obviously causing injury or screwing up that person, right? mm -hmm. You know, there's, I don't want to say it. The argument is like, this tool is designed to do this. Like, okay, it was designed to do that, but look what it can also do. Right. That thing can do so many more pieces. And I, I totally get like, oh, you're shaming the kettlebell. You're shaming the practice of it. But understand there is so much variety and variability out there. And that's how the mace or the kettlebell or the um, sandbag was created, was a lot of just research and development. And then like, okay, this is what we're going to go with. This, yeah. this worked. Yeah. Um, and then create a program around it so people can understand how to use it. But then giving permission to explore beyond that 
I mean, it really isn't about the equipment. The equipment teaches no. us stuff. And, and Slush said this yeah. um, actually yesterday. She she posted something and was like, uh, I'm learning how to use my body and not have to rely on the equipment or something along those lines. And it's it's so true. You know, Gary Gray, I think, and, and DT say, um, you know, the best trainers don't need any equipment. They just need a room with four walls. I said that exact line today, actually. I was training a guy in a squash court. He had no <laughs> equipment. That's all I did. I said, great, I can do this. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no, that and that is so powerful yeah. too. Like w- during the pandemic um, last year, virtually we, too. Virtually, <laughs> let me say that. No, nobody had their home gym set up at mm-hmm. all, and so we still had to program full body movements that involved lunges, squats, pushes, pulls, reaches, lifts, locomotion, jumps, all that good stuff, um, with no equipment, or maybe just find something around the house. But I felt very confident programming for because, uh, and I want to share this about. Um, two other individuals that I, I really admire because they learned, how, they taught me how to communicate with my body on such a deep level with tension mm. um, that it helped me position people and then cue them into specific tension that you can get stronger and feel like you're lifting weights without using a pound. Well, your body. So you're using your body weight um, in using mass momentum, in using different verticalities and different horizontals. So it was like combining um, Gray Institute's 3D maps and, and um, just spherical... Uh, awareness and Gymnazo's um, program structure and then using um, so I'm going to shout out Chris Chamberlain and uh, DJ Marikami um, Strong Camps and, and Savage Protocols they created a course called Chi Torque yep and it was all body but holy shit <laughs> like it felt like I was in the show like Dragon Ball Z I don't know if you've ever seen Dragon Ball Z but it's like ah! I felt like I was getting supercharged and like my muscles were firing off. My body was shaking and I was like, what is going on? I feel like I'm going to explode. But it was just this intense rush of energy that I was delivering through the coils and through different reaches in my hands. And then like you could reach your hand out in front of you, but you could reach your hand out in front of you, open your palm and try to push your palm forward. Like I feel that. Totally. Absolutely. Okay, just reach. There, but then there. Oh, and it was like fascial integration. And I was like, I'm sold on this. So I went through their cheat torque course. And uh, it's certainly very different from any like movement course because it kind of pulls in the fun stuff from Dragon Ball Z. They got cool little graphics and stuff to show you like these different positions and they name the the motions. But um, the biggest thing I got from that was like fire and ice. And what fire and ice really means in is kind of an it's a it's a landmark on your body or landmarks. So like fire, I like to think it expand the front and it's like the back of your shoulders, the back of your hands, the the your top of your outer glutes, your hamstrings, out of your knees, your out of your feet, and you're pulling those lines back into a center point behind you. So it expands everything in front, and you just keep going. And then you try to transfer that tension to ice, which I think is more compression in front. So think about all those dots, but now the front of your chest, the front of your palms, the inside of your elbows, the inside of your core, the inside of your thigh, inside of your knees, the inside of your toes. So you're flowing with this tension that is basically going from lordosis to kyphosis. Essentially, uh, yeah. You're taking it from flexion to extension, but you're taking your entire body through an expression of extension and your entire body through an expression of um, flexion. But at the same time, you're integrating deeper, intense, and you're accessing parts of your muscles and your, your bones and essentially your nerves that you maybe your proprioceptors too that you're just you've never communicated with. And sharing that practice throughout the pandemic, um, using the cues that they gave me through this course, uh, it was. It was great and in terms of the response that I got back from people. It was confusing and complex because they didn't have that language set downloaded. 
but we could start to instill it in them. And we did it as coaches. Like mm-hmm. with anything that we learn as, as a group, we share as a group. And it's not every single thing, but it's kind of the big takeaways. I would say it's a lot of it, though. It's a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anytime we go out for a course, go drop out, we come back and it's like a, it's an hour a week, maybe two or three weeks of just collaborating on that piece and maybe even longer. Like So that she torque, um, ever since I learned it, I've I've always thought it every single time I move now. Like it's almost like it's always a feedback language that he's communicating back to me like, hey, okay, you're in a lunge. I said, fire eyes. It's like my body's whispering to me like, hey, what are you trying to do? And there's no wrong answer. It's just, are you aware of what you're doing? I started to lift heavier weights with, with more ease. I don't, I don't want to say I got stronger. I got smarter. Right. I like that. And then that's what made me stronger because yep. now I'm incorporating more of my body parts. And that's really cool. It's like a download. Like let's take ourselves as literally computers and cell phones that, that we use now. You download a software. We can do that as a, as a human. We can't do like the Matrix Neo status. You know, I get that one day, maybe. We're getting there. I think I actually, the course is going. I, I actually think we're actually going there too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, we can, but it may be a little bit different. But, so now it's like I, I cannot walk the same anymore. My gait cycle has been, never changed because I've done enough rope flows, as an example. I've done enough, I've done enough uh, matadors on a mob stick, which forces motion. Which way more than a than a rope rope does? I just can't not walk with that swagger. I just can't. Or if I'm not, I immediately notice it. I'm like, okay, throw it in. Let's put the, put the gears in in motion and, and let's make it happen. Um, it's really fascinating. It's really it's it's just awesome. It's, it's awesome. It's almost like the the tool becomes your coach too, in a sense. Ooh, I like that. Right? Yeah. So there's the coach who's used the tool to help you and coach you through it. But once you have mm. downloaded what they've taught you, that tool has more to teach you. You just were taught what this person used it for, this coach used it yep. for. Yep. And I mean, you see it with all different types of tools and people using it in different ways or some might say it was wrong ways. It's like, well, it's just different than how you use it. And in some cases, yeah, there might be a lack of intent and action um, in alignment, somebody may be intending to do something and get a really good hip hinge, but there's no hip hinge. It's like, okay, well now we've got to, we've got to align your intent and your action. Right. But I think as a coach, that's what our job is to do is understand what is somebody's intent and how are they acting? And that's what we do as coaches at Gymnasio is we analyze a, a we do a 3D movement assessment um, and look at their entire sphere. And then we integrate a lot of like maybe type one, type two swings, look at how the thoracic spine moves. Maybe we want to do gait. Maybe they're riding horses, so we got to put them in a position. But what we're looking at is their action. But what's already what's going on first is their intent inside. So we've cued them. Now they've got to cue themselves. So the language kind of has three parts of separation, right? From what we were told, then what we tell them, and then what they tell their body. Mm. And then what their body is telling us. It's right. like this constant feedback oh, that's loop. that's so cool. It's, yeah, it's well, a let's say loop. that again. Let, let's <laughs> say that again. So what we have been told. Yeah, so we've been taught from another coach. Right? What method. we tell ourselves. Oh, even more. We, right? So how we talk to ourselves. Right? Sure. Because we were told, we, we, were, we heard that. Then what we tell ourselves, then how we tell it to others, how they tell it to themselves. And then what we see. And then what we see, we see back. So then we reflect on that. And yeah. something uh, Goose um, Coach Goose came up with um, is feel it, know it. Hmm. Fiki, F-I-K-I. Feel it, know it. And so what are we trying to feel? And what are we trying to know? Well, it's always, we're always learning. Like there's, but when you, when you feel it, you know it, you know, if, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you get, like we use the ropes, so, for example, you yeah. do a figure eight, you're like, yeah. I feel it, yeah. like, I know it. But then you do it and you do it again and you do it again and you keep drilling, you're like, 
oh, now I feel it. Now I know it. But then two months down the road, you're like, oh my gosh, now I feel, like I thought I felt it those other two times, but now I feel it. And what is it? It is just your intent and your action becoming so aligned and in, um, in sync and coherent that you recognize the pureness of what is happening, which is just you moving in an environment and the environment is kind of moving through you. You're not throwing the rope anymore. The rope isn't throwing you. You're throwing each other. You're dancing. And I think that's kind of the, the example for, for training. So what I always shoot for is I want to feel like I'm dancing. Sometimes I want to feel like I just want to get beat up. Like I just want to throw some heavy weight and have to grunt it out and feel defeated, but also worked. Sometimes I just want to feel like that was effortless and I moved today. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel most of the time. I just want to get to that point. I want to feel like I can just go dance with my body and I feel like I'm throwing a mace or a rope or whatever, but I have no equipment. And I walk through the gro- I joke about this, but I walk through the grocery store like I'm f- doing an underhand sneak. People are like, what's this dude you frolicking? Do that too? What's this guy doing frolicking <laughs> through the dessert aisle? <laughs> I'm like, ah, I'm going to pick out some ice cream. I do like pushing a shopping cart. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, do. <laughs> this, oh, I, oh, I really do. And I hope they think, like, what the hell is going on? Because raising questions and that's that's how you start to recognize it yeah um that's so classic costco yeah, so usually, usually, usually costco actually because <laughs> there's long straightaways oh yeah large <laughs> carts too those carts are a little bit too tall for me but uh, i really think it is about um that kind of feedback loop of of language and understanding that w- what we're trying to do as coaches is to help the individual in front of us understand their intent because there's no wrong intent it's just, no, what are you trying on them. to do? Are it you depends to, on them. Yeah. Are you trying to make it easy? Are you trying to make it hard? Are you trying to feel like, are you trying to simulate gate? And I think that's a big one. It's like, well, what goes in the gate? We got to know the principles. And if you know the principles of whatever you're trying to do, let's say it's just gate. Like you're trying to move forward. You're trying to have one foot landing and one foot's pushing or pulling, you know? Yeah. And you're, so you and you're trying sides. to go somewhere with efficiency and effectiveness. I guess that's what it really comes down to. No, Did but you get I from know, point A to point B? Yeah, that's your goal for most, for, for most people. But... Most people do it very poorly. Very inefficiently. Yes. Right? They're yes. effective. They got from A to B. Yes. Thank you. They walked in the building, but they're hurting right. walking. So how can, what do they intend to do? Do they intend to walk better? Like that's also a goal. I think intentions are better, is a better word for than a goal. Because mm-hmm. goals like, oh, there's an end point. Where an intent is like, now you've got a pillar that you'll continue to travel along for the rest of your life. And you'll continue to refine it. Yeah. Um, what's your intention here? Why are you training here? Uh, I want to lose weight. Okay, cool. What's, why? You know, you start diving deeper into that goal and then now you can use that as your starting point moving forward in any exercise. And that's what's most important is that now you have the intent moving into any exercise. You've now not just helped them get the reps, but intentional reps. You know, what's the difference between 10,000 reps and 10,000 intentional reps? The effort. Yeah. The, the, the mindset, the awareness, the, Focus. Oh, it's good practice versus bad practice. Both are practice, but I hate. I would hate to have you ten thousand bad reps, or in or lackluster reps. Yeah, I think unintentional reps. You know, I mean, sometimes you just want to like do something, and no, I but, always come back but, to the ropes. But but yeah, but to me, that's it's like you can be think you're doing a good movement pattern, but you're not. Right. Like people are like I'm gonna go for a run. How many runners? Do I, I love running. I do my weekend runs. Man, but like mile seven, eight, nine, oof, I got some pain. But I keep on running. Yeah, because you don't have good movement, and then it catches up to you around mile seven, eight, nine. Right. And that's, yeah, so that's bad practice. I'm, I'm sorry to say it. So let's see if we can change it mm-hmm. to good practice. Now you're yeah. mentioned mile 10, 11, 12 before it happens, and then 13, then you're half marathon, and it, you know, 
um, the body will get the job done, right? We're always going to get to where we want to go if you want to. But as a trainer, as a coach, can we have bring that kind of coachmanship to each other? Do we like, wait a minute, what's your intent? What's your art of the heart? Did I say that right? Heart of the art. Heart of the art. Yeah, yeah. art of the heart. You know, it's, the heart. I think you yeah. hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but also like all these things, like are you understanding that there's so many different lenses that we can look through? And as a new trainer, at least for my sake, I only knew how to look through one lens. And that's what ISSA taught me. Hmm. And that was a pretty shallow depth of field. Just saying. Right. Yeah, not it's, saying it's, it's bad. It's not bad. It's just shallow. It's just a shallow depth of field. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to go to the deep end, you got to, I mean, you could drive, you just jump in the deep end, but that's like kind of like watching a bunch of Instagram videos and going like, oh, I know this stuff. Yeah. It's like if you know how to like walk from the shallow end to the deep end and submerge and then get out and get back in, like you have a lot of play, yeah. a lot of room to move. And I, I want to say this, Instagram for the fitness person, you know, there's a lot of industries on, on Instagram. I think people need to start realizing that Instagram is really just people expressing their R&D. It's not principles. I mean, it's not, you're, you're looking at a, a reel. You're looking at a snapshot in life. It's just R&D. And that's not shame someone's R&D because they're trying. They, yeah. may be, they may be saying some bad stuff. I get it. I'm not saying everyone has great intentions. But it's, let's just have that. I think we should all in this fitness and just <laughs> that's someone's R&D. You may not like that brand. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, my favorite. We could go into that, but yeah, it's it's subjective, and it's it's a it's a lens into their experience, and never is the full picture. Never um, is the full picture. Even if your intent is to share principles and stuff, which a lot of people do, share some gold mines of stuff. Right. Again, it's only a piece of it, right. because you're limited by time, and you're limited by the size, and by it's it's just a video or a picture. Right. You can start putting gifts and stuff on there, and start putting subliminal things in there, which is pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it's it's R and D. It's R&D. You got to really go to a place and communicate face-to-face or, or um, have a live conversation. Yeah, have these talks that, that, that you're talking about with mm-hmm. Savage, with, um, with Jared, with all these things. Like, you got to have that conversation because there are so many little hidden things. Hence this word and hence this podcast is coachmanship. What does that really, really mean? It's the, it's the community that we all work in. And it's not you against me. Not CJ and, and Michael, but like you, you listen to me speak to you right now. It's never, it's never that. It was that in my mind, but uh, I've grown out of that. I want to say that I've matured out of that. And I'm not saying those of you who still think that aren't mature, <laughs> but I think there's an awareness piece that we need to share is that we are all trying to achieve the same thing. Human harmony in movement. Say it a thousand different ways you want, but that's what it boils down to. We want to be healthier. And there's now 7 billion people on this planet. How many of those 7 billion people work out regularly? Not as have to be in a gym, but do, does healthy movement practice daily. And I say less than half, maybe a quarter. I don't know. It's a, it's a poor number. And so we have plenty of room to spare. There is a, this, a, this rule of abundancy. Abundance is the answer, not scarcity. So if we can learn from each other, if we can spread that news, if you can join into this coachmanship type of mentality, hire a coach, learn from another coach, express maybe, like to me, I'm much more of a science person. CJ, you're much more of an arts person. Like I wouldn't go and seek out um, cheat torque. I love it, but it wouldn't be what I would go to first. Right. You know? Yeah. It's, but it's, that's fine. That's okay. Everybody's got their own path, but we're all walking a path you know, like there's a path. It's got it's got its own principles too, and if we're on a path, we are limited to our path, right? But we can start to share in other people's paths, 
and start to like, oh, you saw that little thorny bush? Like, what happened when you were on that one? Because I saw one of those over here too. AKA, there's the same injury that you're dealing with, mm-hmm. but there's a different scenario or different, right. it's just a different case study, but we can all learn from each other. Um, I think there's a lot of hiding of that information too and, and not wanting to deliver it. That's critical. Let's dive into that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think a part of it is that we're all afraid to be wrong mm-hmm. um, and we're really prideful to be right. And when we find something that is a gold mine and we've discovered something, we want to share it because this was like, wow, so great. But what tends to happen, what I see happen is then a bunch of people start to follow that. And like, that's, this is really working great. And it's like, that's the truth. That's the answer. It's like, no, no, this person discovered something that worked and now is sharing it with you. But there's a lot of other discoveries out there that also work, but also for the same exact thing, mm-hmm. but depends on the person you're working with. And also, how's that person feeling that day? Also, what's the story they've been telling themselves before they saw you? Who have they seen that may have been another practitioner that was really brilliant on a different path, but they were so stuck in what they were doing that it wasn't helping this person because they just wanted to share what they were doing versus like, what does this person need? Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, that's the toughest question is to ask, what does this person need? And I think people are, I think when we've discovered something, it's also tough to say that I've discovered this and this is how it works because we just learned it. So now we start applying it in our own practice and either we start sharing and then other people start exploring it too. And then it kind of takes off like wildfire and be like, oh, this is just the new thing to do. Um, or then somebody tries to steal somebody's intellectual property. Yeah, and now it's like, I got I to gotta, I gotta frame it for my people while this person's got to frame it for their people. And we see that so much in this fitness industry. Um, I mean, because we're dealing with a lot of the same issues and there's a lot of ways to attack it and there's a lot of right ways. Um, but we're all speaking a different language about the same things. And so it's always going to seem like somebody's right and somebody's wrong because that language is going to apply to specific people based on what they know or do not know. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that I think, I think we're doing a really good job here at Gymnazo with our ability to communicate what it is that we're seeing that is true. What is really happening? Um, we don't need an MRI or an X-ray to, sh- to tell us that because what we're looking at is a body mm-hmm. moving through space. So if we didn't have all this technology, could we help, can we use our eyes differently and our mind differently to experience what the person is experiencing with their movement at a more thorough and holistic level than just our lens of what we know? Because if we're, if we're looking for something, we'll find it and then we'll think that's the answer. But it may just be that we're, we're kind of beating around the bush and it's like, ah, oh, we're not actually finding the root source of somebody's pain. Or maybe the root, and maybe we may never find the root source, but we might be working so many different routes that that just creates a deeper experience of understanding. Right. right. Like there is a problem and that problem is a chain. We, may f- we found the link. Do we find the beginning of the link? The end of the link? Do we find the middle half? The, you know, like we have to, like that's how I always look at it. If I find and I can replicate someone's movement discomfort, their problem, what they're coming in for, their inefficiency, which is what I love about what I love about the body's feedback source. It's its own communication language. Pain is a language. To each person, it's their own. Some people have high pain tolerance, low pain tolerance, whatever the case is, but it's still their own language that they, that they listen to. And I know it's not just pain, too. It could be just, no, that, that the motion just didn't feel smooth because there could be from the performance side of things, things too. It's like, nah, I just didn't get enough power the ball didn't sound the way it did in the mitt when the catcher, whatever the case is, you know, we all have our own language. But if we can replicate that pattern, then we know we can reverse engineer it. We know it's like, okay, what does that pattern look like? And what are the, all the different components of all the different joints in the human body broken down to three planes of motion? And it's really cool 
it's really cool to have those eyes to see, okay, that's what I saw. Here's what was happening too much, maybe. Here's what happened too little. And then here's this fancy word that we were trying to say, and I'm going to try to do it without butchering it. What is the neurofascial muscular skeletal system doing in that process? Did it? I think I, I think I got it. Yeah, we can mix those words in any direction <laughs> we want. Musculoskeletal, neural, fascial network. Yeah, you could say it's yeah. like <laughs> what is that system doing, and is it doing it efficiently, effectively, loading and exploding, and providing that person with the not even just the physical but the mental feedback that allows them to say, yeah, that was that was good. And then how are we to say good or bad? It's like well, it's just a huge spectrum. Yeah. Like, and that's what I, I love about Mitch's comment. It's a, it's a bridge. Yeah, spectrum is just a bridge. Where are you on that bridge? Either ends, all right, maybe a limited experience because you got this whole span all the way across. It'd be cool to kind of check, check it out. And if we can train someone through that spectrum and know how the body literally does that physically, I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty sweet. That's why I love the mace. I've, I've never taken a mace course. Do I practice the mace daily? No. Weekly? No. Do I highly respect it? Yes. Because I know what it does to the human body. And it's really, really cool. It's really cool. Yeah, it's just a game of mass and momentum. Exactly. Yeah. It. Right. Because playing it, with, it's it playing all with boils, physics. Yes. It just <laughs> all boils down to the principles of movement. And no matter what tool you use, if it doesn't follow those principles, then I probably would call it not that good of a tool. Isn't that what we're supposed to here to do, to figure out, to build better houses? It doesn't matter if we use just a hammer or a screwdriver. No, man, we just, we're here to just build more tools. That's, <laughs> nah. that's all we do as humans, build more tools. <laughs> no, we're learning how the tools teach us and, the, and, and they shape us right. as much as we shape them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of this, this kumbaya of, um, like, Earth is here, has all these rules and limitations, but within them, the possibilities are endless. Yes, and tools are not a given We've created those tools because we saw a problem. Like, that's the big thing. Like, there are tool makers out there. We know a few of them personally. In fact, I think if you go further into your list, who else do you Yeah. Um, next, I was going to go with, with David Weck. I think it's a good time because he, he really dives deep into the principles of, of locomotion um, and throwing and kind of thinking about, like, the hunter-gatherer um, motion. Like, I think you've got to be able to run. You've got to be able to attack. So it's, it's kind of like fight or flight. Um, and what I really got from David, I, I watched a lot of his videos before I went and did the WEC method qualification. And I was like, this guy, <laughs> I have no idea what he's going to give me, but it's always entertaining. And like, I don't know where he's going to go. And I have no idea what he's like in person. Like maybe this is just a character he's playing online because I'm seeing very different versions of him. There's also the time that you, were you watching him too. Yeah. Oh man. And so I went and did a weapon method qualification, got to meet him and Chris um, and Alex, actually Alex from Landmine University. So I want to talk about him too, but that crew, um, very respectable human beings. You can see that they're, they're very innovative um, and they've definitely thought through and practiced a lot of what they thought about, um, specifically uh, David just getting reps doing what he's David like doing reps of what he's talking about. Chris applying it directly to strength and power, and even Alex as well. Um, strength and power, like traditional methods, but apply them with um, the coiling core, the limit force elastic, the double down pulse. Like these these tools, like the pulsers, the rope, and the elastic band. I now see them completely different um, because I've I've experienced the difference of not knowing what was going on with it. 
three days later having an idea and coming back and knocking off five minutes off of a trail run without ever doing anything else, just three days. It's like a week difference. I cut off five minutes off of my max speed. And that kind of like opened my eyes to going, okay, what, what did they teach me? Like, what was it that they were sharing with me? And it was a lot of simple cues um, and like little rhymes and stuff here and there that, that stuck with me that um, I use every single day when I'm coaching somebody. And it, it happens almost instantaneously because it's almost along the lines of feeling it and knowing it. Mm-hmm. Like I had to go feel it from them, coaching me through the rope and teaching me how to understand directions of north and south, east and west. And then that gave me like this, this uh, I don't know what's it, what a cartographer uses, but maybe like a, a map maker. I felt mm-hmm. like I was mapping, making a map of my body in reference to my intent of where I was trying to get my body to go. And um, there's a lot of metaphor and, and conceptual things I couldn't quite understand, but having practiced what they were preaching, I have come away with a lot more gains in my coaching and now I've completely expanded how I can coach using different tools and use those tools to help people with other things that they're struggling with. Like, okay, I put a rope in somebody's hands. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do the rope stuff. It's like, okay, but listen, I just need to see where you're moving. And, and I, I need to, s- and almost like the rope helped me see how their left and right sides were communicating. Yeah. And because they coached me to using my right and left sides and just breaking down the pieces of each technique to where it felt like I was learning the alphabet. And then I was forming words and then learning how to say those words. And then I could make sentences based off of those words. And then the sentences turned into a paragraph. And now it, is that I can write it in cursive and I can write it in all capitals and I can write it in slow motion. I can write it in fast motion. That's like what it is with the rope, but that's now what it is with every other piece of equipment. So it wasn't just like learning the rope. It wasn't just learning limit force elastic. It wasn't just learning the pulsers. It was learning a principle and then being able to carry that over into, they were saying, hey, yeah, use these things for whatever you already do. Just now apply these tools to what you are currently doing. Mm-hmm. And it was like permission to go, we're not going to teach you everything. We're going to teach you the foundations. And if that's, you want to know more, we can go there. That is, to me, some of the best stuff out there, is we need to not be saying, here's how to use a tool. Here's the principles of what the tool shows the human body. Now go use that. And that's why I'm not a big fan of like, oh, let's go to, and I'm sorry for saying this one because I'm just using it as an example, but let's go learn, let's go to a TRX one. They're going to show you how to use the TRX. No, no, no. I want to know how the body works with the TRX and vice versa. Now, they may say, that's what we do, do too. Great. I'm, I haven't been to a TRX and I'm sorry. To, to, as an example, right? I don't want to learn how to just use this tool. Tell me how the human body functions with this tool, how this body can relate to other aspects of other tools versus just this, again, I'm going to say the word, that narrow scope of like, this is it. But, and then it's like, if we only went the, the Y route too, we'll never have anything tangible to attach it to, right? Like that. So it's like where, it's almost recognizing where you are as a coach too. Do you gravitate towards more the logic and the reasoning and the X, Y, Z and the one, two, three mm-hmm. and the A, B, C? Yeah. Or do you go to the artsy, show me something cool and I'm going to try to do it. Right. I like that. Yeah. And then I'll, and I'll learn along the way. Right. And we have two sides. Like it's this left brain, right brain kind of mentality for mm-hmm. sake of a better way of describing it. But um, when we can merge those two, that's Eastern and Western philosophy put together. That is the unknown with a whole bunch of knowns. It's like reduction versus expansion. And then where can we meet in the middle? Yeah. 
and it applies to your right and left sides, applies to the top and bottom, and um, I feel like that's what, what WEC method has done very well, uh, a very good job of doing, is putting it, giving you a center, pulling you out of it, pulling you forward, pulling you back, pulling you right, pulling you left, pulling you up, pulling you down. Recognize kind of where you are, and here's the technique. Just keep practicing and drilling the technique until you, you, until you understand it. Mm-hmm. I think that goes with like martial arts too. Like you go into any, uh, learn any kind of uh, patterning or a certain technique, you do thousands of reps of that. Now you're able to put expression into that. Now you're able to feel your body pushing and pulling versus just reaching a hand forward and back. You're actually pushing a hand and pulling an arm and you feel like you actually have an invisible enemy on you, right? Um, I think we all just need to put more reps in. Some of us are trying to figure stuff out too fast and I was there. I was like trying to analyze everything and like, oh, I just good. need to put the reps in. That's I just, good. I got to do the squats. I yeah. got to do the lunges. And that's what I learned with steel mage flow is just do the, do the fucking reps, yeah. get them done. Yeah. Um, and then once I did the reps, I was like, oh, I can stop thinking about the rep. I can now start thinking about the rep. Like I can feel the rep. I can be the rep. The mace is now not an, ex- is not uh, separate from me. It's an extremity. It's one that you can relieve, you know, remove and then come back. You can let go of it. Learning the kettlebell, letting go of the kettlebell was crazy because I thought of it as separate from me. But now as I'm throwing, I'm learning new things and I'm like, okay, it's separate from me still. But now there's things that I'm doing that are I could be looking over here and flip it around. I don't have to think as much about what I'm doing. I can now pull myself deeper into my experience of what I'm, what I'm doing. So there's two ends of it. You got to put the reps in, but then you've also got to reflect on the reps. The next day, you're probably going to feel pretty beat up. But what's that, what's that narrative that you're telling yourself? Oh, man, that was a shitty workout. Oh, man, that was a really good workout. It beat me up. Or it's like, I learned a lot from that workout. What did I learn? Oh, I did a lot more reps in my glutes. My glutes are a little bit beat up. Oh, man, I did a lot more lunges than I normally do. And you can start to play around with these things. And I think that's also the job of the coach is to help frame that narrative in a way that's the most beneficial to the person writing that story. Because that that mindset can shift everything in your in your experience when you're training, and it can also take you out of a out of a plateau, or it can put you into a plateau because you're just doing the same thing again and again and again. Well, you got to get bored a little bit to start to expand outward. But if you're always doing crazy stuff and you're never just you're never bored, you're just like always on. You're gonna get overwhelmed. You're gonna get overheated. You're gonna get beat up. So you have to play that fine line, that yin and yang of attack and sit back. And then if you can, you can notice where you are in that, well, maybe you spend a week kicking back. Now you got to go get some. Maybe you've done too much yin yoga. Maybe you need to go push some weight, but you're probably afraid of pushing weight. Or if you've been pushing weight, you're probably afraid to go sit in a yin yoga because you're going to get bored. You need mm-hmm. something to keep you active. And I think we, my mindset is we're always playing with this balance of the, with that center of whatever spectrum we're looking at is, right? If we're looking at 3D maps or a lunge forward and back, it's not about the center. It's about going through center, how far forward, how far back, right. side to side. It's going through that center and then settling in that center, but knowing you can always go away. You're, it's like you're always ready. You're always prepared, but you're never like super on edge. You're just ready. Can't drive a car in neutral. Unless it's down a hill. That's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> Can't propel a car forward in your yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that. Out. <laughs> um, how are we doing, time wise? Yeah, I think we got we got a good ten more minutes. All right, cool, awesome. Um, 
So this is this is something that kind of uh, the more I, I look into this and just kind of absorb this conversation is um, a few kind of key key points. Um, there is a there's an artsy fartsy and there's an engineer with a pencil sharpener. You know, like there's there's these different types of coaches, right? There's these separate different methodologies that may have different languages, different description words, different slang words. Um, that uh, may some may be threatening because you're doing a warrior one, but you were taught Olympic weightlifting, and you use different terms like what's a warrior one? That sounds sounds too weird, you know. Let's do it. Let, let, let's do a hankling and jerk, you know. Just even the t- even the the vibration of me saying those words are different. And then you have these different terms that like that are really like oh, what is your tensor fasciae lata? It's like that's a whole different language. There's Latin and Greek terms about muscles. Don't even talk about the Pacinian corpuscle and the Golgi Manzoni. I mean, come on. Jeez, Louise, those are purpose. Italian, pieces of your body. (laughs) It's an intimidating space of language. And what I get a a lot of is that, like, I need to differentiate myself. In the coaching calls that I do with our amazing MDMCers, it's come up a lot. It's like, how do I differentiate myself from others? And you and I kind of look at that. It's like, well, let's no, don't do that. Let's come together. Let's be let's be a collective training force. Because there's going to be the pots. There's going to be the clicks. It, it's it's kind of like we're all back in high school. There's going to be these different clicks in this industry, um, and uh, they've been there for a long time, a long time. It used to be kind of bodybuilders and the Jane Fondas. Like those those are two clicks. You know, in fitness, right now, there's all athletes and sports like that. Now it's really branching out a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And it seems like there's more division than anything else. Like I need to be able to be, I'm the bar person. I'm the person who does yoga with a little bit of a kind of vinyasa flow, but I don't get into the handstands. That's too much, you know, whatever the case is. What I love is I, I want to help people out. It's like, I think we need to come together collectively. And because we, if we can all learn each other's craft, we're not going to be perfect at everything. We're going to have our, our own passion. And, and the last coaching call I had is like, I want you to know pretty much everything so you are never intimidated by anything, but your passion is going to direct you into where you go versus you only know this one thing and now it's forced to be your passion. That's not, enjoyed, that's not a joyful job. That's why I believe there's so much hobbiness in fitness versus career because like, oh, I did Zumba for a while. It was fun. I loved it, but now I hate it. Or because that's all you did versus understanding there's so much more. What if you do Zumba with a with an RMT rope? Like, come on. <laughs> like, I would do that. I would really do that. <laughs> um, and those are fads. You know, we're talking about more about methodologies versus fads. Well, I guess they're kind of the same thing, but in a little different 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 way. So, like, I want to express to people that like it's important that we can speak a combination of these languages. Now, we have a language that we use that we learn from the Gray Institute, and it's a nomenclature. Now, I'm not saying it's in sense, it's a way to define movement in this space. Like medical, it's universal. Yeah, like medical people have their own language. It's very important. You go to a hospital, doctors speak to other doctors in the same language. I think it's very important that we take upon that ourselves, too. We need to have a language that is universal so I can talk to different people. And what I really loved about taking like um, mace flows or, or kettlebell swings, and, uh, more so mace flows, it's like, wait a minute, let's use that term, that terminology, but let's convert it to how we speak. So the cool thing is you brought a, a new language, but you spoke to it in our language or in our universal language, as we like to call it, right? And we all, in, we all pretty much instantly got it. 
Mm-hmm. And it was really, really cool. It was really cool. So I, I, I want to invite coaches to kind of have that collaborativeness. We're not in competition with each other. There's way too many customers out there for us to be in competition. There's way too, there's, it's just no way. And the one thing that we can do, and what I really like about, um, here's me geeking out on the auto business, is that you go to an auto mall, they're all next to each other. Every single car manufacturer is next to each other. <gasps> don't don't build a business next to mine. No, man. Make it easy for people to come to. Like, honestly, I wouldn't mind building a spot that had yoga here and massage there and some CrossFit here and gymnasium here. Great. Bring it on in. Because it's cool to do CrossFit once a week and yoga once a week and some gymnasium 3D movement stuff once a week. Like, that's, that's cool. That's called variety of movement patterns. And um, so there's so much out there. Take this combination of different methodologies, please. Understand them. Hire a coach within that field. I'm curious if you have any more coaches that you really want to speak on. Um, and then understand that there, if we can all come to a commonality of our, of our gains and our passions and our intent, we're going to get more clients. We're going to get more prosperity in our movement culture and our businesses will thrive more because we're not always trying to steal from one, one another because... He's the only one who does that. It's like, no, 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 no. We have so much more to gain. Just the general population doesn't know. They only think there's science out there. They only think there's physique building out there. They only think bar is the only thing that they can do when they can really do a lot more than that, but they're a little older, and then they have friends that, that, that do bar, when really they can actually do a, a 10-pound mace flow. Like, I don't know. That's, to me, that's where my whole mind, mindset goes, is that we need to be a, a coachmanship community. Yeah, I mean, I want to touch on that universal language before we pop out today, um, because I think that's something it's it's hard to grasp what that means, um, especially if you are more of a flow artist, because you have names for your movements and you you get yeah. to know the movement pattern, and which I think is brilliant, and it's something that um, I've been incorporating more into my own practice and trying to come up with names of stuff. I'm like, oh, what did I just do? I think that felt really cool. I'm coming to do some stuff in the rope course that you'll, you'll see, like the dance of the Tao. Like, what does that mean? Well, go check out the rope course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, it's opening up. If you are in a process of thought that is like, oh, I sh- I'm doing this wrong or that's the wrong way to do something, and you see somebody do animal flow and it and you're an animal flow practitioner, but somebody else is doing something similar to your animal flow, but you look at it like, ah, oh, they're not quite doing it right. I challenge you to have a second thought that goes, are they intending to do what I was doing or what I think they were doing? Or are they trying to do something entirely different? Very similar to like somebody doing a toes out squat versus a toe in squat. If you are a max squatter, you max out your weight, you're probably gonna have toe out and a little bit of a heel lift. Like, like in your shoes, or maybe a little wedge underneath you. And then you see somebody else who's doing pretty heavy weight, but their toes are slightly in and their feet are narrow. And you're like, oh, you know, you could definitely go heavier if you go with toe out wide feet. It's like, well, were they trying to go max load on their squat? Or were they trying to internally rotate their hips and preload their glutes so that when they squat, they won't be going as low and not as heavy, but they're intentionally loading up parts of their body that they weren't loading up when they were toe out. Mm-hmm. And if that thought blows your mind, go do the MDMC course, seriously, to blow your mind even further. Like, you just get fried be in all the best ways. Um, but the language that, w- that we use, and from Great Institute, that is a living document. That's what I think really I know, sold me, me on this too. place. It's a living document. It's a yeah. living language. It continues to expand. And we've added, it started out as like one and a half pages. I think we're at like four pages of 
nomenclature now of just things that we're able to communicate as coaches these are, much quicker. And these are just acronyms, by the way. <laughs> acronyms and, but also like we yeah. now have a steel mace flow language. Right, like there's exactly. a standard set that comes from SMF mm-hmm. um, that we use, like something like a march step. Like what is that? Okay, well the march step is actually, if we had to break it down into our nomenclature, it would be mace at hip, under, over, grip, and to your, same side and to your lunge, two, ballistic curl, up, opposite side foot, posterior tap, squat, two, ballistic curl, squat. It's like much easier to say march step. Right. But if we wanted to break it down and teach somebody those things, we're not just saying march step and do this. You can learn it that way, and some people learn much faster that way, which is awesome. But if you want to be able to expand that out beyond just that step, and you want to see, I want to, I want to see what this person's capable of. It's not, I want to see if this person's capable of steel mace flow, master class flow. I maybe want them to go there because it's a cool progressive overload route or progressive route of more and more complex things. But maybe that's not what this person needs. Maybe this person needs to continue to do that march step in multiple dimensions. So now you can extrapolate beyond that and say instead of an anterior and posterior step, we're going to take a common frontal plane lunge to an uncommon frontal plane tap. Mm-hmm. Like what does that mean? Well, we have the nomenclature and the basis to say that, and it's exactly what it is. It's in the frontal plane, and it's a step. And in the frontal plane, you can go left or right, and each foot can do left or right. And so we're taking the truths of what our body's capable of and this is why the, the sheet continues to expand is because we're learning that we're more and more capable of more and more things and things that we've never been thought of and never have been done before or never been written down, but we want to remember what it was. Well, what if you don't film it? How would you write it? Everybody's going to write it differently. But if you have a common nomenclature, you understand your 3D space. So now we're, taking, we're talking about the observational essentials. We start with the environment. What's your environment? What equipment are you using? Is it a box near you? Are you near a wall? Are you on sand? Well, there's a common, we can't deny those things. It's an ultimate truth. What is the environment? Mm -hmm. What position are they in? Well, okay, they're in warrior. What the hell does that mean? In different practices, that could be a different position. Literally. If we say, okay, well, what what is their foot doing? Do we have a common language that anybody who reads that word or that acronym could put themselves in that position or a version of it. Yeah, right. And even in a real or relative space. Yes. Which is, I think, is huge. Real meaning actual numbers and relative meaning their choice. Right. It's the, the client's choice. So we think about position and we, all the positions you could be in as a human. Like, how the hell do we organize this? Well, let's talk about the basics, right? This is one of the podcasts and we've talked about it before and it's also in the course. But you could be seated, standing, kneeling, prone, supine, sideline, hanging, and then any version of those things. Right. Yeah. Is there anything else? No, I think that's pretty much it. But there's versions of that. So then we start talking about um, triangulation. Like, okay, well, how far are their feet spread apart? Or how ha- far apart are their hands spread apart? Or how far are they going to step? Which direction are they going to go? How high are they going to do it? So now you have coordinates, triangulation, right? I mean, we know these things. But in terms of our listeners understanding that nomenclature, it's we're trying, we're attempting to put together all the possibilities in a very efficient way of communicating so that you can always find the foundations and then go beyond it. Right. Without the foundation, you have nothing. You That's, have the yes. art. You it's, have art. It's being able to define. If you can define it, then you can almost create it in a different way. It's like you have to get down to physics to the level of the equation and that's the science piece, right? That's not art by any means. It definitely is a reductionist side of it. Yeah, it the is. Western side of it. But, exactly, yeah, but that's the point. There is the mm-hmm. Western side. There is the, e- the, e- the Eastern side. Both are great. 
both are limited in their singularity approach. That's the way that I look at it. Some people may say you're completely wrong about that one. Great. We're going to agree to disagree. But I think there's more to be had. And this is the, this is kind of the really cool thing is like in the 60s, it took us a decade to get to the moon. Literally, one decade to get to, get to the moon. What if we stopped there? Done. Like we, we had to figure that shit out so hard. Massive science, massive technology, massive R&D. Fitness is no different. We've maybe got to the moon in our respective way. What if we stop there? It's like, no, there's so much more that we could do. The human, if we have said to ourselves that we figured out the human body and all the ways that it can train, I'm going to hang up my hat. Like, what else, what else do you want me, you want, you want me to do? I guess I'm just not going to train anymore. There's nothing else to figure yeah, out. All right, let's just put it to a robot, and the robot can go do it now. I'm going to go on vacation. You know, no, there's, if we're continuously, everly flowing, that's why it's a living document. And that's why you're saying, like, but if we can get to the grassroots of it all, the definitions, right? So I totally took where you're going with that. So we have the position. The next step is going to be the action. Yeah, you got you got action, you got drivers, um, and then we have the stuff that people go into or the trainers go into almost immediately, which is great for fitness gains in terms of progressive overload and getting stronger and breaking through plateaus. But it's certainly not all of it. Like there's the training side and there's the movement side. I think the training side goes rate, duration, time. How fast can you go or slow can you go? How long can you do it for and, and how much can you load up? Well, there's a limit there too, but also if we just keep stacking the limit on that, we're going to approach that limit and it's going to hurt or we're going to hit a plateau I'm like ah oh, just I'm not passionate about this anymore I'm not making the gains I was once making but if we start going other routes like we change the triangulation of those things we are hitting a plateau in we change up those observational essentials that's why we, we start do toe to in do... squats versus toe out squats because there's a different limit there's a different max to be to be reached yeah and everybody's I think that a lot of people who are doing strength training are saying you know like it's about strength and it's about the foundations and the pieces and it's yes but there are so many foundational pieces that are unaddressed because it's too foundational. It's too redu- reduced. Yeah. I'm going to be, I want to go enjoy a very, cha- myself, I want to join a very chaotic life. I want to go jump around on rocks and sprint downhill as fast as possible and slip around and almost die and catch myself and live life on the edge. How am I going to prepare myself for that? Just doing those things? Or can I be in a safer environment, push the threshold, then go out of the chaotic environment and come back? And I think not everyone wants to go that route, but many people are in the very limited route of now I can't go do these things. And then my trainer is telling me I need to do it this way, this way, this way, and that hurts. I'm just not going to go training anymore. Obviously can't train. It's like, no, there's always a success threshold. But if you're going just strictly foundations of strength and not foundations of this individual and where their mind is, where their heart is, where their words are, and you can't align with that, you're probably going to run out of clients. Or you're going to be too specialized that, okay, now I only do this, this, this. Okay, you're going to attract clients, but are you attracting enough? I'm sure at some point you become a master of it where you're like, okay, you own that. So, like, there's certainly a, a, a place for that. There is, right. Like, Leo, you, you crush at the mace, right? You, you do great mace stuff. But you may not want to do other stuff. But he also does, like, kettlebell stuff. and all these, He's also branching out. The great artists are also doing other things. The great masters are also doing other things. There's <sighs> gotta, never an end. Yeah, we got to bring in music. How many different artists, how many musical artists change their sound a little bit per album? And I got to look at, you know, Queen, you know? The very popular band because of Bohemian Rhapsody, they changed their sound. And it's like they kept evolving with the time. And there's so many amazing great hits because they have that. We are no different. We are no different. 
there are musical chords and scales and instruments that play science, but then there's the art to it. How do you blend those things together? And help the person that is seeking you out find that for themselves. Right. right. Maybe they want to do what you do, but at a certain point, they're going to be like, now I want to kind of do this. And then if you're not that person, are you going to refer them to the to another great person? Or are you going to have to be forced with the dilemma of saying, well, no, we're going to do, we're going to do this, actually. And then you lose your client. You'll use, use your athlete. It's not about gaining and losing athletes. I think that's secondary. It's more so about continuing to help others express themselves through movement. And it is a language. It is an art. And, uh, yeah, we just continue to, to talk in, I think, a similar way or at least have the foundation of, of that movement speak we can all branch out much further. It's like if you if you learn the, the AFS nomenclature, the MDMC nomenclature, it will only make your practice that much deeper, that much more thorough, that much more effective and expressive because you've, you've opened the box and now it's a giant sphere and now the sphere just keeps expanding. The box is compressing and you keep getting better and you're really good, but can we just keep, keep getting that sphere to expand? Compress, expand. Practice, now you've practiced these, these skills and these reps. Now your sphere is at a resting state much larger. And then you start to hone in on some new skills and like that sphere gets bigger. And then you start to really practice in on a few skills and that, that sphere comes back and compresses, but it's larger than what it once was. And can we just keep expanding that out? I think that's how we all grow uh, much more effectively together in this industry. And I want to hit it from a different angle. Um, is that, as, as all coaches, right, we are really into this con- this concept of a collective, right? Um, we have a Discord on if you want to go check out the Movement Collective. Um, but really, as a coach, it's like we, there's seven of us in this building, and we are a collective of coaches. We all learn from each other. We literally have different skill sets, each one of us. But, we can, but we're all kind of learning handstands at this particular point. Why? Because one of our coaches does them every day. And I've seen enough reps of it that I can actually be better at it. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And I haven't even tried one in 25 years. I don't know. But the cool <laughs> thing is that like, if you are by yourself as a coach, you don't have anyone else to really connect with besides like a YouTube video that you're watching or this podcast. By the way, if you're in this podcast this long, you're all kind of people. I'm just going to say, <laughs> say that. And if you want someone to chat with, just even to get a, a, a repetition idea of what it's like to have other people that you can vibe with, connect with, ask questions to, dive in deep, deep with, you please reach out to us. Go, go to Gymnasium Edu. Um, find us on, on Discord. Find us on Facebook. Find us on um, YouTube. What the case is, we are eager to talk to more coaches to say, let's come together. We're not going to necessarily you know, say, here's a client for you. That's not what we do, but we're going to give each other the, the means and the resources and the understanding to really push this box out because we're going to Mars. We're going to go to Mars. It's going to happen. This industry is going to go further than where it has been. I'm not saying we're, I don't think we're the pioneers. Like we, we are, we, we hire the pioneers. We've hired the Wex. We've hired the, the Gary Grays. We've hired these people that, uh, the Lenny Pacinis, these people that are masters of their trade who are kind of on their own Island, unfortunately, but they would say they've learned from people before them. And we're just refining, 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 pilling better technology, better technology, I'm not going to get there on my own. CJ is going to do what CJ can do, and you're going to do what you're going to do. I would really like us to work together. Just saying. That's what coachmanship's all about to me. Yeah, high vibes.
Well, cheers. Another podcast done. Enjoy, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed to the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. We launched this in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it, and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnazoedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.